Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Perhaps you're looking uh, after 2020, a lot of people, every new year comes and people get excited, new year, new me, and things like that. Uh, but I think that that is an expression of a lot of us uncertainty after that, you know, because we don't know. Nobody knows what tomorrow even brings. Nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. But some of the most important things you can do is develop your spiritual growth, develop your inner person, because that's what gives you confidence to move boldly into the year that God has for us. And I believe the words that are going to be spoken today, they're from the Lord, and I believe there's things that, that are very important for us to hear so we can walk confidently in the Lord. Amen? We don't want to be like, am I saved or am I not saved? Am I, how am I going to handle this? I think, believe the Lord will speak to you. Let's open up Hebrews chapter 10. I see a lot of you possibly have your glowing Bibles. If you don't, you can just look up on the screen or you can uh, look in your scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. That is good. Next passage, Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to go from 36 all the way until 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to the place called Gethsemane. I always have struggles saying that. Gethsemane, I got it. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons, Zebedee, sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. So how many know when Jesus prays, we should probably pay attention, right? To what Jesus is praying. Jesus prays throughout the scripture. And he is still praying. I know we kind of forget that aspect, but he is still praying in heaven. It says in Romans 8.34 that he's still interceding for us, right? It's very important to understand. But right here in the Garden of Gethsemane, we're getting an insight of the intimate prayer of Jesus. This is Jesus one-on-one -on -one with God. My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for an hour, he asked. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many relate to that? Come on. He went away a second time and prayed, My, my father, if, it's, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them. And went away once more and prayed for the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So we see three times Jesus prays about this cup he wants to pass. He's talking about this cup, right? Anybody has a cup? Michael, do you by any chance have a cup? <laughs> wow, how convenient and unplanned. 
Oh, that was good stuff. Michael's my cub there. Yeah. Also, <laughs> Michael didn't put any poison in here, did you? Right? Tastes pretty good. I want you to get the context of the cup, okay? So in biblical times, whenever they wanted to kill a king, they would put poison in king's cup. And that's where we get the word cup bearer from. What happened was the cup bearer would taste it right in front of the eyes of a king, making sure that it's all good. Um, and often the king would drink the cup, what happened, without unknowingly die from the poison that was somehow snuck in into his cup, right? That's the cup those kings would want to pass. That's the cup that Jesus is praying here in the Gethsemane, right? What then would we save a king who knewingly or who knew that there was poison in the cup, yet chose to drink it anyway? That king would have to be so confident the fact that death would not have the final say. Right. Uh, to drink a cup of death, that king would have to be so confident, right? right. Confident under pressure. That's the title of my message Confidence under the pressure, so he took this cup. C-U-P, confidence under pressure. So let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. The grass withers, flowers fade, but Lord, your word will stand forever. Holy Spirit, speak to us today and let us walk with confidence of your word, Lord, this year and moving forward. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. How many would say by the showing of the hands, let's be honest, it's going to be an interactive message. How many do well under pressure? Okay, got a couple, all right, all right. How about not so well under pressure? Like, don't put pressure on me. <laughs> How about we find out? Why not both? <laughs> so we just separated champions from chokers, I guess. I'm kidding, I, I'm kidding. I, I have struggled with, <laughs> with pressure, dealing with that. There's a movie, uh, one of my favorite movies, King's Speech, um, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's a movie, man. I cried through the movie because it hits me home right, deeply. Right. And then I rented it again and watched it again. I watched that on the flights a couple of times. Uh, but it's a movie about a life of King George VI, a man in the 1930s who desperately did not want to be a king of the United Kingdom. However, circumstances pushed him into that position. And so in the weight of that position showed this private battle that he had, pretty much a stutter that would occur in his speech every time he was under pressure. There's this opening scene. He's walking out up the stairs, down the hallway, and this, you can feel the pressure. I mean, I'm with him in that moment. And I'm just, he's walking up the stairs, and then there's a bunch of people standing, and he's trembling. His hands are shaking. His palms are sweaty. And he looks at the crowd that's anticipating to hear what he has to say, right? That scene right there portrays every time how I feel before I step up to preach. <laughs> I just had it really good, y'all. Seriously. That's why I say faith it till you make it. I don't say fake it. I say faith it till you make it, all right? Uh, but the reality is preaching can produce a whole lot of pressure. So I'm using my example, right? Um, it's a statistical fact that, number one, human fear is public speaking. Did you guys know that? Death is number two. <laughs> that means you're given an option to have a funeral or to speak at the funeral. Most people would say, give me the casket. <laughs> but when you preach, you're not just giving this cute little talk or just saying this random words. You're speaking on behalf of Almighty God. 
you know, the God that delivers, you know, and you're delivering that word of God that he has placed on your heart, you know, and so that alone itself, I feel responsible. I'm using myself as an example, is a whole lot of pressure. You know, if I was to say to one of you, hey, next Sunday you're preaching, I guarantee you would feel that, that pressure hit right over you, right? And there's always, I call it the five o'clock freight train on a Saturday, 5 p.m., uh, I get hit with that thought. I was preparing and everything, but it's like all of a sudden, like, is this the right word? And my heart's pounding and stuff like that. And I'm like, Lord, give me strength. Is this the word? Is this the word, Lord? You know, you just start, you know, because the enemy tries to approach you because there's so much weight. And it's so responsible for me to deliver that right word. But no pressure, right? But before you say, what kind of sermon is that? Like, wow, you can just say, Vic just complained about his calling. Um, <laughs> I believe God is preparing us for what's to come. We, we received the prophetic word today. That's why I believe we're growing in disciplines of prayer and fasting like never before. And I just challenge us to step into that because you are substituting current discomforts or temporary discomforts for something so much deeper and stronger that you will need to sustain this year. Amen? But what happens is the moment you surrender God... The moment you encounter, is the moment you encounter pressure. You will feel the weight. But God wants us to be confident under pressure. Amen. You will hear a lot about the word pressure today. So, um, and if you walk away with here, you will hear that word. I believe it will speak to you throughout the year and possibly years moving forward. I mean, I just asked, have you ever been under pressure? I know that a lot of us don't like it, but have you ever been under pressure? Anybody? Just me? Okay. All right. Um, Pressure to meet the deadline, right? Pressure to meet people's expectation. Pressure to meet your own expectations. Uh, pressure to eat when we're fasting. <laughs> Anybody been there? I told Michael that the moment you make a decision to fast, it's like somebody's going to invite you for lunch or going to drop off a coffee or like a nice snack and things like that. Or what? A free donut. There you go. Yeah. But pressure, all sorts of pressure. Pressure to be a better husband. Pressure to be a better wife. Pressure to get married. Pressure to get divorced. Like, are you still with him? Isn't it amazing that someone can say one word and put so much pressure out of the nowhere, just right on you, and you feel that? So pressure can come from anywhere at any time. Pressure is not prejudice, okay? Pressure doesn't care where you are or who you are. Pressure doesn't care about your age. You, it can hit a kid in the elementary class. It can hit... A CEO in the boardroom, all right? Pressure is an equal opportunity employer. How about that? So walk away with that. So, but pressure comes after everybody. And how do you handle the pressure? Because I believe every person has a call and a purpose and destiny from God that he wants us to accomplish. Amen? Amen. Now, enemy cannot touch your call. And I say this importantly because, but he tries. He tries. And he can, but whatever, what he can do is, however, get your confidence. And that's what he's after. He's like, are you sure? From the beginning of time, are you sure? Is that what God said? Right? He puts a question mark immediately. He, he puts a doubt so you will not be confident in your steps. So, and if he gets your confidence, you'll never step into that call. It is one of the most important things that I realized in my life that I need to be learning how to walk in confidence every day because I know that's what gives me the ability 
to sustain. We just read, do not throw away your confidence. You will reap a reward, right? And that's why he attacks your confidence. And he attacks it through pressure. In fact, pressure, I would say, is a litmus test of your confidence. Yeah, you don't know who you really are until you're under pressure. I mean, I, I must say, this. I remember I get in a car accident, and I remember just like I was the last guy, and we flipped on its side when we were younger, and with other youth in the vehicle, I mean, the driver was drifting, my friend, he was no longer a friend after that, it was, <laughs> it was tough, but I, no, I, uh, I was still friends with him, but... Um, but I remember I literally was physically under pressure because uh, I was sitting in the left, in the rear, so it's in the back of the truck on the left side, and we were on our left side. And I had four people on me, and I felt like my head on the glass, and, and I felt we were spinning the asphalt underneath, like, but it never broke. The glass never broke. It was a miracle of God because <laughs> half of my face would have been gone. Um, but I remember specifically just like knowing exactly what's happening. And when we, the vehicle stopped spinning, we opened the window from that side. And I just took charge. And all of a sudden, I'm like, guys, do this. Everybody's okay. And I'm pushing everybody up. I mean, something took over. But I got to say that image in my head remained forever because that's when I knew. I was like, whoa, I guess I'm made for pressure. I wasn't panicking while other people were like doing this. And I'm not saying to be boastful, but I realized that every one of us has given us, God has given us everything we need to withstand pressure, the things that we may come our way. Now, it gets better when we do it with the Lord. In our own strength, we can fail because Scripture tells us, curse is he who puts trust in his own flesh. Amen? So that's why the greatest thing you can do is to get your confidence in the Lord. Amen? So... I would say pressure is the litmus test of your confidence. Um, you can have a nice jump shot, right, in your backyard. But can you make that shot in the NBA Finals with three seconds left, okay? Someone, you know, some people are good at golfing and things like that. I mean, I, I'm not. I haven't really tried too much of it. I just do miniature golf uh, whenever I can. I'm on a vacation with kids. But... Um, you know, someone can brag, like they can sink a 15-foot, you know, putt uh, in, in a miniature golf. But can you do that at the Masters when there's millions of people watching, right? Pressure, right? Okay, maybe you're not into sports. I'll bring it home. How about, you know, I know you can love your spouse, uh, your husband or wife, if they get a raise. And you're excited about your marriage because your kids are healthy and they're all doing fine. But can you be excited about your marriage if your spouse loses a job or your kids are on drugs can you still worship God then yeah. right so I know we can worship God when our body's feeling good a health is intact but could you lift up your hands if cancer is spreading in your body yeah. and doctors say we can't do anything about it right can you still worship God in the midst of your pain yeah. could you still worship God and lift up your hands if you have to be rolled in here on a wheelchair would you be able to still say, Lord, you're still worthy of all praise and glory and honor. Amen. So pressure will show you who you really are. I know that our faith is fine when God sends us flowers, right? It's like things are going well. But how does your faith perform when you're looking at a fiery furnace, right? Can you say it like those three Hebrew boys, Shidrach, Meshach, Abednego? 
My God can deliver me. My God will deliver me. And even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow down to the pressures of this world, right? Because my praise and commitment to God is not dependent on pressure that's on me. In fact, you can crank up the heat if you want because when that happens, when the pressure comes and you're walking with God, oh, you can be confident of who you are in God even more because there's something that's deeper inside of you that is able to withstand everything that can come your way. Amen? Amen. So pressure mounts up, especially for believers. I don't know why. More than any other group of people in the world. Uh, first of all, because we have an enemy. Right? We have an enemy. Satan is real. Demonic attack is real. And just by the fact you were made in the image of God already puts you on the hit list of hell. Yeah. So, I'll use an example. It's like, you know, taking over somebody's position. I don't know if you have to take over somebody's position in a company. And that person, let's say, is still working there. And every time you walk by their desk and they still give you that stink face, like, pfft. That's the face of the enemy. I want to put an image in your mind. Because as believers, we took devil's position of worship. He was in charge of it. So no wonder he's after you, especially when you begin worshiping him, especially when you begin seeking his face, especially when you say, Lord, I'm going to go after you. Guess what? Devil will go even harder after you. Now, I don't want you to get discouraged because a lot of people say, I'm fine. I'd rather just chill out on the sideline. But I want to remind you that you have a calling, you have a person. I have a calling and a purpose. You have a circle of influence where you are right now. You don't need to necessarily travel to another country and give out food to other children and things like that. You can minister where you're at, to your employers, to your coworkers, because you are the salt of the earth. Amen? But I don't know what it is, but with believers, you know, we always think we have to put on this face that we haven't figured out all the time. All right? Believers are the only group of people that could be going through hell, and you ask them, how are you? And they'll say, ha, 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 God is good all the time. <laughs> all the time, God is good. And then you say, I know God is good, but are you good? Yeah. Right? Pressure to pretend that we're always good. L let me do something that I think that might set somebody free. Look at your neighbor. Oh, we're going to do this. <laughs> Get uncomfortable. Look at your neighbor. Right, if you want to look at the more comfortable one, all right. Say, God is good, God is good. All, the all the time. And say, all the time, God is good. Look at the same neighbor and say, neighbor, newsflash. I'm not God. <laughs> Didn't that feel good? You're not God, right? You're not always good. Because you get frustrated, you get just stuff and the weight in life. Sometimes you're annoyed, sometimes you're frustrated, sometimes I'm worried, sometimes I'm discouraged, sometimes I don't know what to do, sometimes I don't know how to raise my kids. Lord, sometimes I don't know this, sometimes I don't like it, makes me talk to my neighbor, you know. <laughs> Pressures of life, pressures of life that can make us explode or implode. All right, that's what happens when you just cave on the inside, when just the weight, sheer weight of everything you're facing, you just not, you cannot contain or cannot stand. I was preparing for the, as I was preparing for this message, I thought about uh, how every car made after 2007 um, had something called, installed, uh, implemented uh, a TPMS sensor, which stands for Tire Pressure Monitoring System, okay? 
Uh, it was implemented because so many tires were experiencing blowouts on the road. Now, I'm not as mechanically savvy. I always thought that blowout happened because there was too much air and it would just pop like a balloon, right? Um, and sometimes that's the case, but more than often, tires explode because there wasn't enough pressure in the tire. So when the weight of that car would hit a pothole or anything like that, and it would cause a blowout. Now, interestingly enough, the division of a burnout is what is required of you is greater than the resource available. So not enough pressure can stop you to getting, getting to your destination, and too much pressure can stop you from getting to your destination. Now, there's a certain level of pressure that you actually need. Some pressure is good for you, yeah. all right? If you went to the gym and you just looked at the weights, whew, nice, <laughs> right? Tension, pressure. <laughs> you got to apply pressure to grow, right? If you want to get a better shape of the body, you need to start running, you start moving, right? So something requires, there's a certain amount of pressure that is good for you. And some of us never step into a calling of God is that because, not because our life is too complicated, but rather because our life is too comfortable. Yeah. And so, the, and we avoid pressure at all costs, okay? I used to do that all the time. You know how people say, no, 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 don't talk about me, no, no, no. Anything, it doesn't matter. Subject, politics, whatever, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, and pressure or anything, personal life, this. Like, no, don't talk to me about it. So, but the Lord wants us to handle everything that we're going to face, right? With confidence. But every now and then, we have to stop and we actually, we need to thank God for the pressure. How many of you have known, you've experienced pressure and looking back at years back, you're like, oh, wow, now it makes sense. I'm stronger and wiser. And next time you see that thing, you're like, whoop, I'm already prepared. You know, the Lord has prepared you. So that's what causes. But in the moment of pressure, it's not comfortable, right? But pressure will make you pray, right? Pressure will make you cry out to God. Pressure will make you mess up your makeup, right? Pressure will make you empathize with people that are going through the same thing. Pressure, it's, that's what happens a lot of times. And until something difficult happens, people don't run and start praying and asking God for help. So pressure is what causes us to get there, pressures of life, right? So we need certain level of pressure. But how do you know when the pressure is too much? Because TPMS sensor will tell you when there's too little pressure, but it won't tell you when there's too much. I love what Apostle Paul says, because he had a season in his life, I mean, when pressure was too much. He actually talks about it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 10, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. Now, Paul experienced troubles left and right. <laughs> but we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Do you ever feel that way? Come on. So that we despaired of life itself. It's like, Lord, take me away, right? I know Moses experienced a lot of pressure all the time. Even the pressure where the Lord is like, Moses, move. I'm tired of these people. I'm going to wipe him out. And he's like, wait, 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 God. But what will other people think about it? I mean, God, relation, God's relationship with Moses is amazing. <laughs> he just dialectic convinced God not to wipe out his people. I mean, just amazing. Um, but Paul's saying we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired life itself. Indeed, we felt we have received the sense of death. 
<laughs> wow. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on our God who raises the dead. I mean, he's just saying, I don't care. I'm sold out, <laughs> right? He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Amen? Amen. So that's Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's saying, I had a whole lot of pressure. Earlier, we read how Jesus was praying in the garden and he experienced so much pressure. That his blood, that his sweat was turned into blood. And now I don't care how spiritual you are. You could have floated in here or had communion for breakfast. Right? You're going to experience pressure. It doesn't matter. But the question is, are you going to cope with pressure? Or are you going to, which is, that's what society will tell you. You know, you need to learn how to find to cope with pressures of life. But, or are you going to be confident under pressure? And I believe the word for this year and for you is to walk in your confidence, in God confident. It doesn't matter what face, it doesn't matter the troubles you will come because you're like, I know my Redeemer lives. You know, and that's why Job was so strong in the Lord. He's like, I don't care if my body's falling apart. My trust is in God and he will put me back together in the last day if he wants to. But I'm not going to turn away from God. Pressure's in life. His wife's like, just curse him and die. <laughs> Which is, doesn't make any logical sense because you're dying anyways, right? But let's curse God on the way out. Like, that's straight from the pit of hell. <laughs> so, deal with pressure, not cope with pressure. Amen. Confident under pressure. I want to give you four things that you must have if you want to have confidence under pressure. Number one, promise. They're all going to start with the letter P. So, write it down. Promise. Can somebody say promise? Promise. promise. I love, I love watching movies. Yes, <laughs> I watch movies. I don't always watch sermons. Um, so, now, if you're a serious movie watcher, um, you know that if the movie starts at 7, you have to be there at 6.30. You know, I mean, there's pe movie watchers, and I, I, I was. I mean, I really was. I just, I, I just don't have as much time right now. <laughs> but um, you have to get in line, get the popcorn, get it half full, tell them to half full, Add butter, shake it again, add popcorn again. Come on, my movie people out there. You got to get your drink and you get it, get into the theater before the previews start. Now, people who aren't movie watchers, they kind of annoy me. Uh, I'll say that because they show up late and you look at them like, uh, you know, like, come on. Like, and they're like, what? It's just the previews. And they're walking in front of you and things like that. I'm like, what do you mean it's just the previews, right? Because the only thing better than going to see a movie is going to see what movie you're going to watch next, right? <laughs> and the previews are the only thing that you have to hold on to while waiting for the premiere date, right? So, and previews can get you on the edge of the seat. A movie that's good, you're just like, oh, you know, and they're like, coming, this, coming fall, 2030, things like that. And you're like, what? <laughs> have to wait that long? So... But even if you have to wait that long, there's a reason I'm bringing this example. I know you're like, come on, big silly example. But, but at least I could hold on to that preview until the premiere date, right? So God will give you this prophetic promise. And sometimes before the promise comes to pass, it will take a long time, a very long time. And what do you hold on to in the midst of that, Right? You hold on to the promise. You hold on to the preview that God has given you. And you say, Lord, I know you have told me this. You have promised me, Lord. I know it will come to pass. When pressure is mounting up, you know, hold on to the preview of your promise. Amen? 
We see all throughout the scriptures many people who God has given them previews before it actually happened. I mean, look at Noah. The Lord's like, hey, build an ark. I'm going to reset everything. But it took like, scholars say, 50 to 75 years how long it took him to build the ark, right? Think about that. I mean, holding on to the preview of the promise until the flood came. So many people. How about Abraham and Sarah, right? Coming to a womb near you. <laughs> but it was a long time before that promise came to pass. I mean, Abraham was 100 years old when he became a dad. He's probably at, yeah, that's an interesting fact. Probably at CVS or Walgreens buying diapers and dentures at the same time. I mean, like, just... <laughs> But they had to hold on to the promise. I know these little things, but I, I want you to get the image, right? Joseph, for example, there's another guy. He got a promise, you know, he got a preview of his promise. That one day his siblings, his brothers and sisters, his parents will come and bow down before him, right? But what happened in between that promise and when that vision came? I mean, he had to go through a pit, then to a prison, but it was in the pit in the prison that he had to hold on to that promise that God has given him. Amen? If you want to have confidence under pressure, you not only need to hold on to the promise, but you also need a place. So that's my point number two, a place. You need a place where you can connect with God and God can connect with you. I love that we are growing in prayer as a church. And one of the best things you can do is get plugged in into a prayer meeting on Wednesday nights at 6.30 here. If you don't have a place, establish that now. Establish whether that's your room, perhaps it's a certain place where you can drive up into cul-de-sac, whatever it is. You need to have a place, amen? In fact, the place is where you often get a preview of your promise. Did you notice that? Yeah. So it's in God's presence that he'll give you the preview what he wants to do in your life. You begin seeking him. You start praying. And all of a sudden, like, you're like, the Lord is speaking to you. You're like, are those my thoughts? We're like, wait a minute. These thoughts are usually not my thoughts. All of a sudden, it's like the Lord is using. So we have one device. Obviously, Satan can use it to speak to us. And God can use it to speak to us. So, but when, with the more time we spend with the Lord, we quickly can identify that it's him speaking. But that's in the place where you often get the prophetic promise. Amen? I'll show you that from the text. If you look at just Matthew and Mark accounts of this moment, um, of Jesus' moment, you will conclude that Jesus just stumbled into the Garden of Gethsemane, right? But, and, and we think that's because he was, you know, pushed into that and he had pressure in life. And you think about it, he was about to take on the sin of the world, right? So we can think like, oh, he just stumbled in. But I love Luke's account because Luke actually shows us something profound. If you read it too fast, you'll miss it. Let me read this. Luke chapter 22, verse 39 through 42. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, they had a place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a, stone, uh, about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you're willing, take the cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours will be done. But look at that verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. This was not his first time praying in the garden. Right? In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm not allowing the pressures of life to mount up 
And those moments then push me to find a place. I already have a regular place where I connect with my father, right? And the father connects me th with me. And that's what's going to be able to give me a sustainability, amen? So we need a place. We need a place. So don't wait for the pressure to come. Find a place now. You need a regular place where God can fill you up before the pressure hits you. Amen? You'll be a lot more stable. I mean, there's nothing wrong with running to God when you have problems. I mean, I call it the 911 relationship with God. <laughs> Which means he's going to hear from you, but it's only in the case of emergency. <laughs> in case of emergency, turn the door. That was wild news. About the door flying out. <laughs> 911 relationship with God. But how many know there's a difference between a 911 believer and a Psalm 91 believer? Come on. Yeah. He, and we all know what Psalm 91 says. He who dwells, who remains, who's, who remains in the presence, who is consistent when the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, right? I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I will trust. Wow. So God says, if you got a place for prayer, you got protection. Amen? I remember this. You ever have this moment where you had a morning devotion? And that was, and you read like a passage, or perhaps you've looked at the verse of the Bible on your Bible app, and you're like, verse of the day. You're like, wow. And you're just walking, trolling into the work day. And, um, and that was exactly what you needed to hear that day, right? right? When you read, for example, I don't know, when you say, bless them that curse you, right? And you get to your job, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm so glad. You guys better be so glad I spent time with Jesus, right? I'm... <laughs> I'm glad I prayed because I was going to speak in tongues that don't need no interpretation. Thank you, Lord. Man, I'm telling you, I've had that numerous times happen to me. I was, like, and I, had, I was just faced with such a difficult situation. And I was like, oh, I didn't do nothing wrong, but I got blamed for it. It can happen. It doesn't matter where you're at, right? So you need a promise. You need a place. But you also need the right people, which brings me to the third point. Very, very important. Matthew 26, 36. I'm going to pull that up. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. So, and then the next verse. So he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. And he became anguished and distressed. Now, I'm not sure if you caught that or not. Because Jesus had all of his disciples... They get to that place, right? And then he says, Peter, James, and John, you come with me. <laughs> Other disciples are like, uh, Jesus, you want us to come with you too? It's like, uh, no. <laughs> Peter, James, John, you three come with me. I, I just thought it was so profound. What, but what is D Jesus teaching us in this moment? That often when the pressure is greater, your circle has to get smaller. Mm. Yeah. you got to be selective with who you allow to see you when you're in a vulnerable state. you got to be careful when you are in trouble with who you surround yourself with. In the word, confidence is the word confide, right? you got to make sure you got the right people around you when you're under pressure. Now, 
Not just the preview, not just the right place, but the right people around you. Because when you're under pressure, you're not yourself. Snickers has a great commercial that says, you're not yourself when you're hungry, right? <laughs> when you're under pressure, you're vulnerable. So give, give us some scripture for that. I will give you some scripture. There were moments when disciples needed Jesus, right? Remember when disciples thought that they were going to die? <laughs> and they were like, Jesus, can't you tell? We're about to die and Jesus is sleeping in the back. But then Jesus walks out and he's like, peace, boof. Everything becomes quiet, right? And so Jesus comes through for them in the hurricane. But now this comforter, comforter who calmed the storm is now needing of comfort. Look at this in the verse 40, 26, 40, Matthew. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? So Jesus is in need of some, you know. That explains, that tells us that when you're under pressure, you're vulnerable. But there's a difference between hurricane hitting your boat or hurricane hitting your heart. When you're under pressure, make sure you have the right people around you because wrong people can prostitute that moment, can use that moment against you to manipulate you later. That's what happened with Samson, right? When he was under pressure. I mean, Delilah put so much pressure. I mean, so many times. Like, ties him up. What's your secret? Oh, if you do this, and if you do that, he played around. But, he, like, he was under pressure. It's like, what does your strength come from, right? Pressure will always come. You need the right people in your life. Right people in your life. You know this popular phrase, they say, never let them see you sweat. Ever heard of that? That's cultural, not biblical. Jesus is saying you can let them, because we think about it, right? Jesus himself was sweating tears, of, I mean, uh, drops of blood. I think Jesus, what he is saying is that you can let them see you sweat, just make sure it's the right them. Hmm? I do believe you will need to hear that through this year, just from the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to be careful who you surround with. You need the right people around you. But look what happens then, even with those three chosen disciples, his inner circle, right? They also fall asleep. I'm thinking like, and not only that, just they fell asleep three times on him, right? And maybe Jesus is teaching us another principle here that when you're under pressure, it's important that you need the right people, but ultimately people cannot be your source of power. Okay? God will never put your power in other people. That the, discipline, the, the disciplines that you may have established, whatever it may be, those are very helpful. But be careful, right, who you put your trust in. The disciples falling asleep is just an example of fragility of humanity. Is there a word such fragility? Fragile? Oh, good. <laughs> it rhymes with fragility and humanity. But you should have right people around you and don't put your hope in people, right? How many of you know you better have some power? You have to, need to have some supernatural power when you're under pressure. And that brings me to that point, power. It's the last point. You better have another source that you can go to. Yeah. And that's good news because you can let people off the hook that walked out on you, that fell asleep on you, y'all. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I hope you get set free today because you're like, well, I've narrowed it down. Down to John and James or down to, you know, Peter and Mark. 
I'm just telling you because it's so important to understand that you cannot put your trust in people, right? You need an alternative source of power, the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So I got another source, power of the Holy Spirit that's going to sustain me uh, when I'm under pressure, amen? Somebody who knows you need some power, say power. <laughs> power of the Holy Spirit, amen? Jesus knew where his power came from. And one more thing I want to show you, and only Luke has a record of it. It's a bonus. Luke chapter 22, verse 42 through 44. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling on the ground. How, did you see verse 43? An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. I read the Gospels so many times. <laughs> I was a seminary dropout. Actually, I never went to seminary. But I'm just telling you, but I don't know. I've read the scriptures so many times. I don't know how I missed this verse so many times. I do not understand. How did the angel show up? I was busy focusing on the sweat of Jesus, right? Because this is the moment. And Jesus spoke to me. He says, that's what's wrong. Like, you're so, looking, you're so busy looking at the sweat that you totally missed the strength that came. Don't just look at the sweat. You need to look at the strength that God has given you in spite of pressure, right? You're so busy looking at who left you that you didn't realize that who's standing next to you. And that is God. That's the kind of God we serve people. Come on. Would you stand to your feet if you are thankful to God today? If you are thankful for the power that he has given us, come on. I know where my strength comes from. I know where my power comes from. Amen. Would you give God some praise right now and just say, God, I know where my strength comes from. Let him know he's your strength. He is your rock. He's your redeemer, church. Amen. You can walk with confidence, right? That's why you can go from sweat to strength. From sweat to strength because you can go from strength to strength. And you go from power to power. Amen. I have confidence under pressure. Amen. You feel more confident today walking into this year? Yeah, we walked into it, but walking in it. Amen. Amen. I will not throw away my confidence because it will be richly rewarded, you know, and I'm speaking that over myself. I will persevere. I will do his will. I will receive what he has promised. Amen. And everything that God ever spoken to you right now, even if it hasn't happened, you've been praying for your kids to come to the Lord. You've been praying for your spouse to return or whatever it may be. Every one of us will face troubles, but God is saying, I am there with you standing. Stop focusing on your sweat. Start focusing on the strength that he has given you in this time, right? I will look up to the hill. Where does my strength come from? My strength comes from the Lord. He's the one who made heaven and earth. He made you and he made me. Walk in confidence. Man, Father God, we thank you. Just begin lifting up your voice. Just, just begin praising him. Let that inner shout of the Lord in praise and gratitude lift up to him. Say, God, I will worship you through whatever may come my way this year, Lord. I will praise your holy name. You alone, Lord, deserve it of all glory and praise. I'm not going to be afraid of anything that's around me, Lord. I'm going to be walking in confidence, teaching my children. 
children. I'm going to be a confident man, a confident woman of God praying. I'm going to lay my hands on children and pray against any sicknesses that may come my household. Lord, I am more than conquering Christ. I'm under the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to continue speaking strength because my strength comes from you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the word you've given us this year to walk confidently under any pressure, Lord, because we are your children, Lord, because we have an intercessor in heaven that stands and intercedes for us, Holy Spirit. I pray you would strengthen us with the power of the Holy Spirit, that every chance we get to pray, we pray that we will never miss that opportunity to pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your grace, your love. Thank you, Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Hallelujah. If you need more prayer, come forward. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.